I, I haven't looked I haven't looked up the Greek or anything, but that said, um, dressed in holy attire and my T-shirt feels off. No, no. <laughs> anyway, Hebrews ten, sorry, twenty three. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So think about how to stir up one another to love and good works. Ponder it, think about it, consider it, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is God's word. So um, last week we started uh, week one of our uh, committed series and I laid out the why of why we're working towards adopting a, a set of membership commitments. And so the first why was to do, to give us a tool, to give us something we can grab onto to do Hebrews 10, 23 and 20 through 25, to encourage, to consider how can we stir each other up? How can we encourage each other before the day of the Lord to keep us on a narrow path? Because I, I was going to say, I don't know about you. I actually do know about you. If you don't have that, you will not stay on a narrow path. Okay, You have to have a, a, a church, an assembly of godly people spurring you on to do that. Okay, You, you just will not follow Jesus by yourself. Okay, and, and That person exists, but he is rare. That's first. Second why is to standardize what our current membership uh, is and remove any sort of confusion uh, and vagueness. And I talked about the biographies at Homecoming and the obituaries in the paper. Like, I don't know who that person is. The third why is to be able to offer a clear path for new people coming in. Okay, so new, someone gets saved or, or moves here, wants to join the church, we have a clear path to say, hey, here's what we believe, here's how we're living together, are you in or are you out? Okay, just so there's no confusion there. And that, uh, the first commitment that we, we talked about last week was we expect every member to give themselves, to commit themselves to the church's unity. And the way we laid that out last week was through affirming our statement of faith, through committing to love our members, through committing to tame our tongues, and committing to honoring um, our leaders. And so if you missed that, or, or uh, you can watch it online, or I'd love to chat with you about it um, Personally, okay? So that's week one. We're committed to unity. Second week, today, um, we're looking at the second set of commitments where we expect our members to give themselves to the mission of the church. So last week, the... the, the uh, Sorry. <laughs> what was last week? I just said it. <laughs> unity. This week, the mission. Next week, the, the testimony. Sorry, we had a rough time in our junior high and high school class this morning. Um, just... I mean, not rough. I just like, I'm a really bad teacher. So um, I'm, I'm still licking my wounds from that 45 minutes over there. So this week, we're going to look at that second set of commitments and, and the mission of the church. And so just real quick, can anyone tell me what is the mission of Christian Life Church? What is the purpose? Not what you think it is or what it should be. Can anyone tell me what our legal purpose and mission is? You can't, okay? You can't. I, luckily, I have it up here. The purpose, this is from our, our Constitution. The purpose of this church shall be as revealed in the New Testament to win people to faith in Jesus Christ and commit them actively to the church to help them grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ that they may increasingly know and do His will and to work for the unity of all Christians and with them engage in the common task of building the kingdom of God. Now, that's mostly okay. I would quibble with the end part there. But that thing is too long. 
And it's too wordy to ever get down into our guts and into our bones. I don't roll into work um, on Monday to do that. That's not what I'm thinking about. right? That, like, that's not my mission when I roll in that paragraph there. I come into work every day uh, with, with this. Our mission is to make disciples until Jesus is worshipped everywhere. Is that easy? Is that that simple? I mean, legally, that's not what it is, but that's that's our mission to make disciples until Jesus is worshipped everywhere. Okay, so what's CLC about? Someone on the street, for whatever reason, would ask you. Oh, we're we're here to make disciples until Jesus is worshipped everywhere. So our aim then to accomplish that mission is found in that proposed um, covenant that you were handed 16 weeks ago, like this, by God's grace and by the Spirit's power, we commit to the mission of the church through cultivating a worshiping culture, a discipling culture, and an evangelizing culture. Okay? Three things. And within these three things, uh, there's three things, all right? Concentric circles of, of three. Okay? So we lay it out like this. First, individual worship, smaller group worship, and corporate worship. We think that's part of the mission. Okay? The next one, um, personal one-to-one discipleship, smaller group discipleship, and corporate discipleship. Third one, uh, personal evangelism, smaller group evangelism, and corporate evangelism. Pretty easy. Worship, discipleship, and evangelism, personal, smaller group, and bigger group. All right, okay, really, really easy, okay? We think, I think, to be obedient to our master, to be faithful to our mission, to make disciples until Jesus is worshipped everywhere. Because that's a real day where every nation on the earth and every pe- person in those nations is worshipping Jesus. That's a real day that's going to happen. And we're going to be on the earth and be like, whoa, it happened. <laughs> okay, we got to be part of it. For that to happen, um, we think that every member gives themselves wholeheartedly to these three things. Cultivating a worshiping culture, a discipling culture, and an evangelizing culture, okay? So can we work through three sets of three and then sing with all our guts to the Lord? Okay, all right. So first, we accomplish our mission through cultivating a worshiping culture privately, in our homes, and then in the... Today, okay, on, on Sunday. So first, private worship. Jesus teaches us, Matthew 6, 6. Uh, Stonies can do this in two weeks, two, three weeks. When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. So a commitment we want to make on the front end for every member is that we're going to aim to, you're not going to hit it perfectly as anyone who has ever tried to start like a prayer time has found out you're not going to hit it perfectly, but we're going to aim to cultivate a private, personal relationship with God. Where there's time throughout your day, throughout your week, where it's one-on-one, you and Jesus, reading his word, singing, praying, the whole bit. Okay? Easy? Easy. Okay, basic. Next circle is, is in a smaller group. Okay, we want to cultivate worship and prayer in smaller groups, whether that's in homes uh, at a house group setting or simply prayer meetings, or if you guys are going to sow, praying before that, okay? If we're going to eat, praying before that. Acts 2.46, day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God in their homes and having favor with all the people, okay? So we're not saying it's a requirement of, member, of membership that you be part of a house group, though we would really encourage it. The point, oh, Helen, you guys started back up? Awesome. Okay, well... We'll talk, sorry. Ra- Rachel said, yeah, okay, sweet. Sorry. <laughs> Point is, 
We, we think it's important that members commit to having a smaller group of people that they can worship and pray to the Lord together. And that where that private worship just kind of flows out into those smaller group setting. And then the third circle to make disciples until Jesus is worshipped everywhere is found in cultivating a worshipping culture on Sunday morning. Okay? Now that just seems like such a duh thing. You want us to worship God at church? Yeah. 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 Okay, so what does that look like? What does it mean to have a worshiping culture environment at our churches? Well, at bare minimum, it means attending. Right? I mean, just, okay. And this is really where the emperor has no clothes bit from last week um, comes into play. We have inherited, at, as, as Bible Belt, you know, southern, midwestern people, we've inherited or developed or allowed for a church culture in the Bible Belt that doesn't discourage people from being considered members, even if they don't darken the doors, okay? Like, that's the emperor's no clothes. Like, he's naked, and, and we need to say... He's naked, okay? Just just common sense. So, for example, um, the SBC has how many churches? Any guesses? Just give me two guesses. How many churches are in the Southern Baptist Convention? How many? 10,000? 40,000? 48,000. Okay, 48,000 churches in the SBC. Guess how many people are on their membership rolls? Okay, if they said, these are the members of our churches, how many? 48,000? 14.5 million members of the SBC. 14.5 million members. Next question, how many attend on Sundays? 5.2 million. So there are 14.5 million people who are members... But on Sunday, in SBC churches, there's 5.2 million. Do you see the disconnect? It's like, well, maybe I don't think you really have 14.5 million members. I think maybe you have 5.2. Because that's who's assembling with the church. The emperor has no clothes, okay? So we have, we have a, a culture that names people as members who don't even fulfill the basic requirement of attending the gathered worship, okay? Now, in the last two years, that's there's obvious reasons for that, right? Like, if you've got a respiratory thing or, or, or whatever, like, we don't want you gathering, okay? You need to stay home and be safe and all that stuff, and that's why we do the live stream. But for the majority of Christians who consider themselves members, like, it's just basic logic, right? Common sense says the assembly is the assembly, right? So that that's first. Um So to remove any confusion, should we adopt these commitments, we would just really clearly spell out on the front end for people that to be a member of the church means you're a member of the church, of of the assembly, of of the gathering. And this is what Hebrews 10 is is really driving at, right? Not neglecting to meet together. Like like making it at a point to gather with the saints. We do that on Sunday. Like that's Sunday at at 10, 10 10.30 forever, 10 now. Like that's just what we do. And so we, we we're going to commit to that. Second, for a, a worshiping culture outside of attendance, is mean we don't just want to attend worship like we're watching, uh, you know, a, a movie at, at the hub or, or uh, uh, going to the theater to watch a play to look at one of John's awesome sets or or hear um, Jocelyn's awesome songs or whatever. Like we don't want to just to attend; we want to participate. Okay. And, and I'll, I'm point, I'll point to this document later when we talk about um, evangelism, but I have a thing here and there at both entrances. This is called the Ministry of the Pew. 
And it's how we do worship and discipleship and evangelism just on a Sunday. Like every single member can do that, but I'll, I'll point to that later. When we gather, we want to participate with our, our whole being. We want to love the Lord together with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength. So we participate like when, when we stand up to read uh, the psalm, right? The, the songbook of the people of God for 6,000 years. Like we want to stand and say, oh my gosh, I need to wear a holy attire, you know, because <laughs> I'm paying attention. I'm, I'm listening. We want to participate when we pray. So when we go into prayer at the end, even if you're not praying with an elder, we want to participate and take that time to maybe pray in smaller groups, pray by yourself in your seat, but definitely not like scrolling through Instagram at that time. We want to participate and give ourselves to the environment. When we sing, we follow John Wesley's instructions. So um, John Wesley's a real meticulous, um, you know, type A guy. That, that was kind of the, the contrast. George Whitfield was this big, booming preacher, right? He could preach and people could hear it for a, a, an unnatural uh, amount of distance. They could still hear him preaching, but he had no organizational skills. So John Wesley takes that revival that's happening with Whitfield and puts him into bands and groups. And he's, you know, he's doing Excel before Excel. Anyway, <laughs> he's handing out... Uh, uh, you know, instructions for these new disciples in these new churches, and he gives instructions for singing. And I just want to read one of them. He says, Beware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep, but lift up your voice with strength. Be no more afraid of your voice now, nor more ashamed of its being heard than when you sung the songs of Satan. Right? So he says, Look, I've heard you guys sing in the bars. It's great. It's loud. It's wild. It's free. And then you come to church and you're little church mice, you know? He says, participate with your whole being, okay? So my, my point is, and I'm, I am a, a offender number one in this regard. I know that's not good, but just where we're at, okay? Come to our gathering expecting to meet with God, Okay? Like, come with that uh, uh, mindset. Sometimes the Spirit moves in a powerful way, okay? All the times He moves in a way that we would consider less than powerful, okay? I think anytime our Bibles are open and we're reading it, the Spirit's moving. Uh, but sometimes you get a little spice, you know, a little, uh, a little bit of, of extra, okay? And my point is we don't decide that, okay? Yes. How many Stony? How many of you have been in the high school, the old high school locker room, football locker room? So you know we can't direct the wind, but we can't adjust the sails. <laughs> Sorry, let me just tell this really quick. In the, the old high school locker room in the armory, there's a there's a toilet and there's no doors. It's just we're all out there, and there's a sign right in front of the toilet that has a sail ship and says we can't adjust the wind or we can't can't direct the wind, but we can have our sails up. Right. And so it is with the work of the spirit. Right. I can't press a button up here and say, OK, spirit, move. But I can come to our gatherings with my sails up so that when the spirit does blow, when the wind does start to blow, I'm there to catch it. I'm ready to participate in what the spirit is is doing. OK, so that's the first commitment that we make to mission. OK, members of our church are going to be encouraged and expected to cultivate a worshiping culture uh, by themselves in their homes or smaller groups and, and on Sunday, okay? We're going to come ready to meet with God. So I'm writing this and I'm repenting a lot. I'm like, oh God, I just come to church so many times thinking i got to complete this task and this task and this task and this task. And if you want to do something, let's do it later, okay? 
just not expecting God to move. And so I, I want to on the front end just say, hey, cut it out, man. Okay? Second, to make disciples until Jesus is worshipped everywhere, we want to commit to cultivating a discipling culture. Discipling culture. Because this is the whole ballgame, right? Matthew 28, Jesus gathers his 12 Jewish guys and, and says, Hey, guys, I've been given all authority to judge the living and the dead. And so before that day of judgment comes, go tell all the Gentiles, because they don't know. They don't know anything. Teach them to follow me. Model to them what it looks like to, to follow my example. And when they're ready to start doing that, baptize them, right? It's Matthew 28. Go to all the nations. Go to all the Gentiles. Make disciples of them. That's the mission, Okay, and that's what I want to come to work with. That's what I want you coming to church with and going to your work with and going into your homes with. Like, my job, my role as a human being is to make disciples of Jesus until there's no more disciples left to be made, until the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. So how do we aim to do that? I'm saying same set of three, okay? One-to-one, smaller group, and the corporate gathering. We do that with worship, and we want to do that with discipleship, too. In all three settings, we want to teach and model what it means to follow Jesus, to model what it looks like to follow Jesus, okay? So first, start one-to-one. And discipleship, just a really um, easy definition of discipleship, is imitation and instruction, okay? It's not just imitation, and it's not just instruction, right? It's, it's the whole deal. So we need two things for ourselves to, to mature as disciples. First, we need God's word. And two, we need another disciple spurring us on to follow Jesus in light of that word. Okay, God's means for you to hold firm to the end is a disciple with a Bible. Pretty simple. It, it, it's pretty easy. And this is what the scriptures teach. Hebrews 3, 13 and 14. Exhort one another. Okay, so that's one another, that's not guy in a pulpit, that's you exhort one another every day. Well, what do we exhort one another with? Right? With the word, the, the word of God and the promises of God, the truth, the truth in here that God is not a liar. Okay? And no matter what's going on today, God is really going to raise the dead. And he's really going to restore all things. He's really going to bring in everlasting righteousness. So you need to do that. Exhort one another with this word every day, as long as it's called today. Is it still called today? Okay, let's still be doing this. So that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold to our original confidence to the end. Okay, that's a huge, you know, don't skip over that sentence. He says, if you don't hold firm to the end, like you're going to miss out on this stuff. And so you need a disciple with a Bible to help you do this. Romans uh, 15, 4 and 14. For whatever was written in the former days, right? The Tanakh, the, the Old Testament, was written for our instruction. What is discipleship? Instruction, right? Teaching um, for our discipleship that through endurance and through the encouragement of, where's their encouragement found? The scriptures. Through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope, okay? And we need hope. We, we have to have a, a future day in mind where God raises the dead, brings in everlasting righteousness, stops all the bad, okay? <laughs> Ends evil forever. And that comes uh, from the scriptures, okay? God's means for you to hold firm to the end is a disciple with a Bible, okay? One-to-one. -one. Doing that with people. 
And what is God's means for getting that hope of the scriptures into us? Romans 5, or 14, 14. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness. You're filled with all knowledge and you are able to instruct one another. Paul writes to the Roman church who's got Jew Gentile issues going on, you know, and he says, I'm so happy you guys have the scriptures and you're able to instruct one another in them. Okay, and encourage one another and spur one another on. Okay, and again, if you guys are following Jesus for decades, that's what's happened to you. Whether on purpose or not, whether you just kind of fell into it, that I've got a group of people that are doing this with me, that's what happened. And when that stops happening, I'm saying that the odds of you finishing the race go down exponentially. If we don't have a disciple with the Bible helping us do this, to, to equip and mature the church until we've attained to the knowledge of the Son and we're not tossed around by every wind of doctrine. He says in Ephesians 4.15, 4, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, um, into the Messiah. Speaking the truth in love. Instruction. God's means for you to hold firm to the end as a disciple with a Bible to avoid the wrath of God. To set your hope on God's appearing, Paul tells us, Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in y'all richly. Okay? I mean, if we had an Oklahoma, you know, an, an OSV, right? It would, it would read so much of the New Testament letters. Like, that's the word, y'all. Let the word of Christ dwell in y'all richly, teaching and admonishing one another. You need a disciple with a Bible to help you do this, okay? That's God's means. God says, I, I want them to finish. I want them to be strong to the end. So I'm going to give them the scriptures and I'm going to put another person in their life to encourage them with the scripture. Okay? Everything I just read is, is just pointing to, to discipleship. Instruct one another. Speak the truth to one another. Teach. Admonish one another with the wisdom of Christ's word. Okay? The same word that, that saves, right? That you heard and you responded to in repentance and faith. That same word that saves is the same word that then strengthens. And builds you up and keeps you on the narrow path. It's the same word. And so as a church, we want to be really clear and really intentional that this is what we want to do. Is we don't just want to talk about the weather and sports. and what I love the weather and I love sports. But I want our culture to be, we're talking about the gospel. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about what he's done, what he's doing, what he will do. Like constantly. Okay, it's just a normal part. Like when people get around CLC people, they're like, they just kind of talk. They're Bible people, you know. <laughs> I, I, I want that. Okay. Um, there, there's a here's a free book for you too. Um, that's for anyone. A quote that's just stuck with me for for years. Um, he says, "Imagine if all Christians." as a normal part of their discipleship, were caught up in a web of regular Bible reading, not only digging into the Word privately, but reading it with their children before bed, with their spouse over breakfast, with a non-Christian colleague at work once a week over lunch, with a new Christian for follow-up once a fortnight. He's from Australia, so he says fortnight. Um, once a fortnight for mutual encouragement, and with a mature Christian friend once a month for mutual encouragement. It would be a chaotic web of personal relationships, prayer, and Bible reading, more of a movement than a program, Okay? Like, programs aren't bad, but a, a, a culture is sustainable. It can, it can run the course. More of a movement than a program, but at another level, it would be profoundly simple and within the reach of all. It's an exciting thought, okay? So, one-to-one um, -one discipleship. Stoney meets with Brody once a week and reads the Bible. Uh, Sierra's meeting with you. 
once a week, reading the Bible. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to try to meet with people, sit down and read the Bible. And so if you're like, that sounds terrifying to me, I have a book for you. Okay, two books for you. All right. First one, this is called, I, I only have two copies left, but I'll buy you one if you want it. One-to-one Bible reading, okay? This is the Idiot's Guide to Discipleship, which is, I love this book, okay? It says, okay, step one, pick someone you want to read the Bible with. Okay, check. <laughs> pick what part of the Bible you're going to read. Oh, yeah, I can do that. Meet, I'm serious, that's what's in the book. It says, pick a time to meet. Okay. <laughs> you know? And then the next step, it says, Meet with the person. And when you meet with the person, read the Bible. <laughs> and you ask questions, and you just talk about, like, guys, this is written for, for, for just normal, average people. Right? Like, on the Bible, this is, this is for less than average people. This is written for average people. You can sit down and read the Bible with people. And as you, guys, it's the word of God. It's living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It's going to do the work, right? It's like if you've ever used a hammer or an axe, right? You can really tie yourself out if you try. But if you let the hammer do the work and you let the axe do the work, uh, it'll, it'll do it. So I have two copies of this. I have a hundred copies of this. So I want everyone to leave with this. This is just discipling and it's step-by-step. Um, to as well. Okay, so I'm saying discipleship one-to-one is instruction. It is saying, hey, brother, blah, 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 says this. I hope this encourages you. Okay, hey, sister, whatever. Okay, that, that's what it is doing. But discipleship's not instruction. It's also imitation. Okay, and this is, I think, the more uh, used example in the New Testament. Mark 1.17, Jesus says, come, Follow me, right? Yeah, follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Philippians 3, brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you, like, you can see how people follow Jesus. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ, Paul says. Okay, and we kind of look at that and go, that's totally arrogant, Paul. No, it's not. The example of Jesus was, just, it was simple and clear and plain, and Paul's imitating that. And we want to imitate that. And we want to imitate that, okay? So that's all example-driven. Walk how I walk. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Okay, so that's first. We expect and we want to encourage all of our members to be involved in, in discipling individuals, okay? Not checking off a bunch of lists and spiritual gifts tests and yada, yada, yada. Meeting with people and encouraging them with the hope of the scriptures, with the hope of the gospel, and being there in the hard times, being there in the good times, that's, that's discipleship, and that happens uh, one-on-one. And again, when it's happening like that, and it's, it's a culture, it's not a program, it's not something we have to put on the calendar, it's just like you're living your life, right? You're going to work, you're going to lunch, you're going to baseball games, you're going to basketball games, you're doing the whole bit, and you're discipling people, okay? Like, y'all got lives to live, and make disciples while you're doing it, okay? Um, anyway... Second circle is just a smaller group, okay? And this is where discipleship gets easier, I think, whether that's our house groups or our Sunday schools. In a house group over, over uh, lots and lots of time, lots and lots of meals at our house group, lots and lots of, of snot and poop and, and crying uh, over lots of that, uh, you, you get this relational kind of capital where I, I can talk to you about 
what's going on in the scripture, what's going on in, in my heart, and that kind of stuff. And, and, and you got trust, and you got capital to, to do that stuff, okay? And so over time, the wheels are greased, and discipling conversations that lead to obedience to Jesus, they just happen more naturally, okay? Because I get it, guys. I'm, I'm introverted. I don't mind speaking to a crowd, a smaller group. I'm like, oh, okay? But, I mean, it just gets easier o- over time, Okay? Um, and then, so what's the third circle? First one-to-one, second smaller group, what's the third one? Corporate worship, okay. So our gathered worship in our Sunday assembly is for discipleship. We want to have a culture of discipleship on Sunday morning. And it's Hebrews 10 again, okay? The author, whoever wrote Hebrews, says to stir up one another to love and good works and encourage one another how. And it's so silly. <laughs> By not neglecting to meet together. Like your presence encourages me for love and good works okay that i mean that that's one of, that was one of the the saddest and hardest things about you know the the shutdown like whatever live streams cool the physical presence of other believers is a big deal right it, it's 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 not a small small thing by not neglecting to meet together we're discipling each other we're encouraging each other okay and that happens through instruction and through imitation Right? Just like one-to-one. So instruction through the teaching. The gospel is proclaimed. It happens through baptisms where we affirm a a person's profession of faith. It happens through the Lord's Supper. Right? We proclaim Christ's death until he comes. And and he also says in in 1 Corinthians about the Lord's Supper, at the Lord's Supper, the many become one, too. And I don't know what that means, but I feel it, you know? (laughs) Right? That's happening. Okay? The, The whole deal is for discipleship, but discipleship also happens, not just instruction, but imitation, okay, and that is, so what's being imitated on Sunday, right, what's being imitated, if discipleship is more, I think, what is seen than what is taught, how are we making disciples on Sunday in our gatherings, okay, it is foolish to to speak of wanting to see the church ablaze, right, to use our, our, our Pentecostal language, uh, if our own demeanor is that of an igloo. You know what I mean? Like, oh, the church just needs to be alive. And you're like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I, yeah, totally, man, you too. <laughs> okay? I, I learned how to worship God. I was discipled into how to worship God, not by reading a book, okay? But by watching how people I admired worship. I've, I've told you guys this story a hundred times. My hands go up on the doxology because Joe's hands go up on the doxology. Okay? I'm in the balcony in fourth, fifth grade. Mary Lou. Turn, 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 turn. And Joe. And I'm like, well, I, I like Joe. Seems like a nice guy. My hands should go up. All right? And I've been doing that since 2005. Because I watched Joe do it, okay? I'm, I'm presently, I'm, I'm trying to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit and what he's doing and what he's saying in our gatherings because I've watched Helen do it, okay? And I'm a li- I don't want her to catch me not doing it, right? <laughs> like, like, I'm trying, I'm, it's being modeled for me on Sunday, okay? Watching how people, you know, um, if I'm listening to a sermon, right? If I'm not here, but I'm there, uh, you know how I learned to listen to sermons? Pastor Derek, man, because he talks more from there than he does from here. <laughs> All right? <laughs> you know, like, it's modeled. It's seen. And so what we want to see in, in other disciples, like, you model that, okay? 
I, I, I uh, you know, I come in every every Sunday, not feeling it every single time. But man, when we're singing. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to sing loud, regardless of how I'm feeling, because that might be encouraging someone else in the room to 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 uh, to enter in. Okay, so I just say all that to say, discipleship on Sunday is a visible act, and to fulfill our mission, we want to see discipleship one to one in smaller groups. And on Sunday, okay? Like, you're making disciples right now. And that can be a good thing or a bad thing. All right? Last one, evangelism. Oh, I'm preaching too long. Um, Okay, we'll get through this. Last one. By God's grace and the Spirit's power, we commit to the mission of our church through cultivating an evangelizing culture. Luke 14, 23, Jesus says, or the Master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges, the byways, and compel people to come in. So that... My house may be filled. We, we expect people to commit to evangelism because, guys, there are people, your neighbors, your family, you know, your, your circle, there are people who, if Jesus came today, they would be thrown into a lake of fire. Okay? And I, I know we believe that on paper. You read what Jesus says about it. You read what Isaiah says about it. You read what the apostles say about it. You go, yes, I believe this word. I don't know if I actually believe that. Right? If I, if I, I mentally assent to that. Jesus is coming. His judgment is good. He, he will throw the wicked into the lake of fire. Do I believe that for real though? Because if I did, I feel like I would tell more people about Jesus. And I would share the gospel with people more. So I, I just, you know, before I just finish this out, I, can we just, just pray real quick? Um, um, God, we don't believe in hell. We don't believe in the judgment for real. And so I'm asking, God, would you... By the Spirit, mark our hearts that that your judgment is real, that your day is coming. And we have the cure. And we have the balm. We have have the, the, the instruction to put blood over the door before the angel of death comes. And so I'm asking God, make it real to us. That the judgment is real, that the resurrection to eternal life is real, and the resurrection to condemnation is real. And help us be evangelists because we believe it. Help us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So we are going to cultivate a culture of evangelism the same way we're going to cultivate worship and the same way we're going to cultivate discipleship. One-to-one, smaller groups, corporate worship. Okay? And again, this doesn't run like a program. I'm not against programs, but I'm saying our evangelism, just like our worship and just like our discipleship, should just mirror and run alongside our normal way of life, right? You're already worshiping in private. You're already uh, meeting in a smaller group, and you're already gathering with the church uh, to worship. You're already doing those same things for discipleship. So evangelism is just adding an unbeliever into that mix. It's not adding a, a, a program. It's not adding another calendar event to your life. It's saying, this is just what I do. I'm worshiping in my home, a smaller group, at church. I'm discipling at home, a smaller group, at church. Now I'm just going to add an unbeliever to one-to-one. I'm going to add an unbeliever to my smaller group, and I'm going to add another, an unbeliever to church, okay? Brother, one-to-one, would you be interested in getting together and reading the Bible? I know that's terrifying to say. Hey, man, would you have some time for me to, to talk with you about what Jesus has done in my life? 
Okay? I know that sounds weird, guys, but you, you ask someone, they'll do it. Okay? People are more hungry than you think. Okay? I mean, just, you might have to bug them a little bit, but they're, they're willing to talk about these things. Okay? So that, that's first. We just want to be intentional in sharing the gospel with people. All right? Second circle is our homes and our small groups. Okay? So in the same way that we want to be intentional about inviting unbelievers into that personal space, we want to invite unbelievers into our, our communities, okay? Where they get a seat at our dinner table, in our living rooms, a front row seat to see how Christians love and care for one another, right? That's a great apologetic. It's a great evangelism. It's like, and that's what Jesus says. John 13, like, you, the world will know that you are my disciples by how you love one another, and they get to see, hopefully in our homes, how they apply the, uh, apply the gospel that they proclaim to their daily lives. And I think the best – and my mom and dad aren't here, so I can tell this story. Um, my mom and dad are, are um, godly, love Jesus, have been an, an incredible example to me and all of us forever. Um, but as human beings, my parents fight. <laughs> Omega, Okay, and so, you know, we, we, we watched them fight at all different times growing up, and I imagine part of that is raising five kids and living in different towns and shift work and the whole bit. Um, but we watched them fight. But you know what I've watched my parents do a 100,000 times? I've watched them repent a 100,000 times, okay? And, and even, and, you know, not sometimes even when the other one was, was wrong, like, oh, clearly that's on you, Mom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've watched them repent. I, 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 and, and even when we lived, we, we used to live in, in, in Deer Creek, I'm on the stairs, and they had had a fight, and I watched my dad come in and tell my mom, like, hey, I messed up, I repent. And, and so that's, like, burned into my mind now uh, as I'm married and, and, you know, have to repent sometimes. And, <laughs> but I'm saying you bring an unbeliever into that, you're... you're they're seeing, oh, they actually believe this stuff about the gospel. They believe, and that's discipleship, and it's evangelism, and it's the whole bit, okay? So we want to do evangelism in our smaller groups. I, Karen, I don't have... Uh... Karen, uh, well, you guys know how Karen got to our church? Gloria and her mother... Bugged her and bugged her and bugged her. It was a yard, came to a yard sale first. Yeah. And invited her to lunch and invited her to whatever, and invited her, whatever, invited her, whatever. And they're persistent, right? They just, um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and Karen came in and believed the gospel. And, um, and so that wasn't something we had a board meeting about and said, okay, what program can we run? To get just Gloria and Dora said, hey, we're going on a yard sale. Oh, also, we're disciples of Jesus, so that means we're doing evangelism at the yard sale. And that, you know what I'm saying? Like just a culture of evangelism, a culture. That, I want to have you tell the whole story or have someone else tell it if you don't want to. It's a really cool story. Um, did you, I'm sorry, that's what I'm saying. Just like it, it's a thing we do. We're thinking about considering, pondering, like, hey, how can I share the gospel and bring people in to the group? And then um, the the and it, sorry, one more thing on evangelism. It just feels like a team effort. Then, not like I'm like like, and this is 
did Jesus talk about fishers of men in the first century? Guys, it's not a fisher. It's the whole group on the side of the sea throwing out a massive net, working together to bring them in. And uh, Okay. Megan, can you text my mom and Robin and tell them to bring the kids back in? Okay, last thing, we commit to corporate to uh, evangelism in our corporate gatherings, okay? And so, for I, I, again, I would point you to that uh, at both ends. There's the ministry of the pew. Um, pick that up on your way out. So we do evangelism on Sunday morning. One obvious, duh, reason is by inviting unbelievers to church. Okay? Second, a great apologetic for the faith is how believers of that faith worship their God. Okay? Like, do we uh, gather here and do all the stuff we do, and would someone be able to say, I think they actually believe that. Okay? I think they actually believe that. I think unbelievers should marvel at the different types of people the Lord has gathered to worship Him, how they sing like they believe this stuff, how they tremble at the Word of God like it's really the Word of God. Okay? And third, evangelism should happen from the pulpit every Sunday. Every Sunday, okay? I don't give altar calls generally, like maybe six times in six years, uh, but unless I'm just brain dead that week... Every sermon I've ever preached, I've tried to be clear about the gospel. Every time, every Sunday, wherever, whatever passage we're in, whether we're doing a passage or a topic, I call people to repent of their sins and trust in Jesus. To trust in the promises of God, that He really will come and really will make all things new. But before that day, there's a day of wrath that the earth and its inhabitants rightly deserve, but God has made a way through the life and death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ for us to not receive His wrath, but be saved from it by looking on Him in faith. The Son of Man lifted up in the earth. Everyone who looks at Him like the serpent in the wilderness will look on Him and live. And anyone who does this will be saved. Anyone who does this will be raised from the dead to inherit the kingdom of God when it comes. Some version of that... Not going to sound like that every week. Some version of that needs proclaimed every stinking Sunday. Every single time and every Sunday, whether that's an altar call or what I what do I normally do? Normally, right after I share the gospel, I tell you know whoever if there's an unbeliever here, I tell them, hey, if you have questions about what it means to repent, if you have questions about Jesus, you have questions about what it means to be saved, what do I tell them to do? Talk to the person that you're sitting next to. Because if they're a member of our church, they can tell you. That turns the evangelism into a team effort again. And not, not the guy at the pulpit. That altar calls are great. Okay, I bet a lot of you guys were saved at an altar call. But I'm saying evangelism on Sunday is, is all of us. Okay? That's what's going on. So, you heard the gospel. If you are not a believer today, I would love to talk with you about what that means. Okay, when we're, we're going to sing and then we're going to pray corporately and then we're going to have a time of prayer. If you want to come before that, you can come before that. But you can, talk to, you can talk to me, you can talk to any of our elders, you can talk to any person that's a member of our church today and they're going to be able to tell you what it means to repent and trust in Jesus Christ for eternal life. So for evangelism, read the Bible with Christians and by an unbeliever. For evangelism, eat meals with other Christians and invite an unbeliever. For evangelism, attend worship with Christians and bring an unbeliever, okay? The 
point today is that the mission of the church to make disciples is a is a church project. Okay, it, it's, it takes all of us. Worship is the joy and the labor of every member. Discipleship is the joy and the labor of every member. And evangelism is the joy and the labor of every member. And so we just want to make that clear for our current members and any member coming in. We just want to make that. Hey, we're going to commit to evangelism and we're going to commit to discipleship and we're going to commit to worship. Okay, so I have the music team um, come up. And if you guys want to stand, I want to pray. We're going to sing to the Lord uh, for what he's worth and, 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 and what he's due. And, and I want us to commit to these things. Commit to cultivating a worshiping culture and a discipling culture and an evangelizing culture. And we're not going to do it perfectly, but we're going to aim for it. Okay, and we're going to commit. So let me pray. Father, we need help. We need your spirit to come and and instruct us and teach us and lead us into worship um, and into discipleship and into evangelism. We know that this is your heart for us. This is your heart um, for the world. So help in the name of Jesus.